Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Friday. It's September 29th. That's right. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It's Von Hansen's own sirloin hearts at two for $15. Pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound. The all-natural boneless skinless breast plain only at $7.99 a pound. We'll have the $100 gift certificate available for you a little bit later on in the program. In addition to that, we're looking to go 5-0. That's right. If you don't know what it is that we do each and every week, if you are the lucky winner of the $100 gift certificate. Make sure you come with your weekend play. What we'll all be collectively rooting for, I'll put $5 on it and we're hoping to have uh, a pile of money to donate to charity at season's end and we're looking to go 5-0 after we've gotten off to a fantastic start. That's uh, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday Spread $100 gift certificate. So we'll dive into that, but of course you can always visit Von Hansen's 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Let's set the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. And to no surprise, it involves the home team, the Cardinals, facing the 49ers this Sunday. Bob had a conversation with Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports Bay Area, if you missed it podcast at kdos1060.com and the question here is what happens sunday in santa clara ats cardinals plus 14 49ers minus 14 and the cardinals continue to lead the way at 71 percent of the vote 49ers trailing at 29 percent away from the point spreads part here uh yeah which winning streak will continue the niners have won 14 consecutive regular season games and the cardinals have won one consecutive regular season game well yeah We'll see what happens on Sunday, and then we'll also answer the question around 1130 today. So still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Flipping the conversation on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. What happens Sunday in Buffalo? This is actually a game that you can hear right here on KDOS AM 1060. Pre-game gets started at 930. Dolphins plus three or Bills minus three. And the masses are firmly on the Dolphins side. 75% of the vote, Bills 25%. Not surprised with the voting after the 70-point extravaganza last week. I've got the under 70 points for the Dolphins this week, if you can find that for me somewhere. I'll take the under I think we'll all hop on that board. (laughs) Hopefully. I would assume they even would. So we're not going to get 70 again. But anyway... Uh, as far as there's plenty of threes out there, but really the consensus number worldwide is two and a half on this. So if you're uh, if you want to bet on Buffalo in this game, you can find two and a halfs readily available, including in the state of Arizona. We will answer that question at 1130 KDOS 1060 
on Twitter. I will also make room for Brian Blewis from Pro Football Network, set to join us around 11.15 to chat NFL props for the weekend. So we'll dive into all of that with Brian Blewis, Pro Football Network. Uh, let's take a look back, though, to last night, Thursday night football, getting week four started. And the Lions took care of business against the Packers last night, 34-20. to The offensive line, we had discussed missing some key players, and it continued to be an issue in last night's contest for the Packers and also some more permanent information regarding the Packers' offensive line. Uh, David Bakhtiari left tackle there. He had arthroscopic knee surgery Wednesday. He was put on IR Thursday. Ian Rappaport also reporting that he's said to have another surgery scheduled in the next couple of weeks that would likely take him out for the season. So that's not great news for an offensive line that really struggled in pass protection. Yeah, Nelton Jenkins is, you know, their second-best offensive lineman. They had no chance to block the Detroit front seven last night. And, you know, one thing we talked about with Tim Twentyman from DetroitLions.com during the sports zone on Thursday is that uh, they've been really good stopping the run so far this year. And, uh, you know, they're fifth in the league heading into this week stopping the run. And that's, you know, they really didn't stop anything last year, whether it was run or pass. And then after they got the big lead, they're up 27 to 3 at halftime. You know, they scored the, after the uh, first first possession turnover, the second play of the game when Goff threw the pick uh, to Rudy Ford, who was a really good Cardinals special teams player drafted by the Cardinals a few years ago. But I don't think he's a real, st- like a starting safety in the NFL and he's starting for the Packers. But anyway. After that uh, turnover, after the, uh, you know, the the Lions got the ball back, they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And uh, they led just two minutes into the second quarter, 24-3. It was 27-3 at halftime. Uh, the Packers, when it was 24-3, had zero first downs, and Aaron Jones didn't even have a touch at that point. Uh, so that kind of took away the, uh, the running game possibility for Green Bay and you know I don't know if they were able to run it or not run it or not but basically this game was the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball was totally and I cannot stress this enough totally dominated by the Lions yeah, there's some numbers to back up just how totally dominant it was, especially for Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, he had eight quarterback pressures and one and a half sacks. That's just one particular player who had a stellar night for the Lions. The flip side yeah. of that. He, remember, he had two sacks against them in that you know, game that they you know, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs last year, too. So they're sick of seeing him. Speaking of uh, the knocking the Packers out of the playoffs and all of a sudden this domination for the Lions, they've won four straight over the Packers. Uh, Also, in addition to this, just a little tidbit, the last time the Lions won their division, it stems all the way back to 1993, and that was when the Lions were in the NFC Central. Also, they've never even – they have not even led at the end of one week in their division – just one week at any point of the season in, since 2019. Uh, so they now are the uh, you know, official leaders of the division after this point uh, because obviously just you know, look at the standings. Uh, and uh, So there's that. The only bad thing that happened is that Brian Branch, who I talked about with Tim quite a bit yesterday, the, you know, the really outstanding rookie from Alabama, the corner, uh, suffered a lower leg injury in the third quarter. He got carted off 
Then he came back, and they're leading 34-17. to He's playing again, and he got re-injured. Why is he playing? It's 34-17, to and they just reestablished their two-touchdown, 17-point lead. It was, that was stupid. We had both talked about Sam Laporta at different uh, points in yesterday's programs. He now has 22 catches to start his NFL career through four games. That happens to be the most by any tight end in NFL history. Sam Laporta, of course, tight end for the Lions. Yeah, also, yeah, we also uh, you know, we talked yesterday about how he's such a good blocker, and he threw a couple wicked blocks, including one of Montgomery's. David Montgomery had three touchdown runs and had more than 100 yards in rushing in that game last night, but Laporta was a part of that. Uh, the Lions, I don't think there's any question if there was before. Now there shouldn't be. They're really a much better offense when – you know, Montgomery's running between the tackles and Jameer Gibbs is getting his touches on in, in space. Let's talk about that a little bit. David Montgomery, he was back. He carried it 32 times, 121 yards, three touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs, what his uh, workload looked like, eight carries for 40 yards, four catches for 11 yards. I think that's what they want to do. I mean, you know, he had – Problems staying healthy at uh, you know, Georgia Tech. God bless him, he had no chance, and he was smart enough to get the hell out of there. Uh, he took a pounding when he was at Georgia Tech as a running back. He went to Alabama, and you know they had a better offensive line, but he still didn't run between the tackles very often. He was, you know, he lined up everywhere uh, and caught passes, and I think that was the one. I think that his ability to just make guys miss in space is why the Lions you know, drafted him 12th overall this past year. I have an overall question here for you from your experience in watching the NFL. It's We're approaching now week four. Obviously, the Lions and the Packers completed week four. Everyone else is getting to it. Uh, do we have a better understanding when we get through four weeks of the season about who these teams are, what they're trying to do, what their identity is, uh, You know, who's maybe really standing out above everyone else in terms of divisional matchups, et cetera, or is it kind of a scenario where we've seen so many different injuries that we're not yeah. going to know maybe until November? Maybe December. <laughs> I'm with you. You have a really good point there about the injuries. We've had a lot of key injuries and cluster injuries, especially for a second consecutive year. There are several teams that have had you know offensive lines that have been missing multiple players obviously the cowboys here last week the big, biggest example of this is the texans uh they've they're starting five offensive linemen that they wanted out there at the start of the season they've every one of them have missed at least one game and we're only three weeks into the season for those guys uh, we are going to get into Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits on the other side of the break. It's not this glamorous college football weekend, but there's still plenty to it, talk. It ain't bad. That's so, right. Yeah. It's a, it's the second best week of the season out of the first five weeks, So at least as far as ranked matchups go. Yeah, there's still, I think, four, right? Four ranked matchups? That is correct. You know, before last week, there had not been more than one in any, oh, excuse me, any uh, more than two in any week this season. 
And that was stretching it when they had two the second week of the year, and it was kind of like bogus ranked teams. <laughs> and it gets uh, underway with a tonight Pac-12 matchup, Utah and Oregon State. So we'll start there with our college look at Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And, of course, visit Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Ulma School in Chandler, vonhansensmeats.net. It is the extra point on this Friday, September 29th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you back after this. Listen to rewards for you with the KQS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's hop right into it. Friday spread the college football portion of the conversation. We'll start with tonight's contest between Utah and Oregon State. Utah plus three and a half. Oregon State minus three and a half. Over under sitting at 44 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I I think we have to start here, and I think even though we have to start here, we may not actually have an answer. Uh, Is Cam Rising playing? (laughs) Does he play? Does he not? I don't think anyone knows. Well, who knows? I mean, this number has gone from like one to four, four and a half in some places. Uh, Different story, same week. Uh, You mentioned, will Cam Rising make his season debut this week? We thought he might in the first game of the season. We're sitting in the fifth week of the season, and he's yet to make his debut. Also, will stud linebacker Kareem Reed, uh, who is arguably the best linebacker in the Pac-12, will he return from his week one injury, which we thought he was going to be back the last couple weeks. He hasn't played since week one. Brant Keithy, their stud tied in. Will he return from his mysterious absence? We have no idea what's going on with him. Uh, those are the three, I think, most important players for Utah. So good luck. And I mentioned my frustration about this last week. I listened to uh, you, know, uh, you know, Matt Newman's on Visa this week. He's equally as frustrated uh, with the Utah injuries. So uh, Matt was on this show a couple of years ago or last year. Uh, so I felt better that I'm not the only fr- person frustrated. As far as Oregon State, last year, last week, excuse me, was just a uh, Horrendous situation. Uh, the score looked close at Wazoo. They gave up. They got like 21 phony fourth quarter points to make it look close, and then they had like an onside kick situation at the end, which was maybe the worst onside kick in the history of the uh, of onside kicks in, in foot, you know, football, college, pro, high school, wherever. Uh, that was never going to work. Uh, it was really, I think. The surprising to me that their defense just got the defensive front got handled last week. I wasn't that shocked because we realized that their defensive backfield could be a weakness. We didn't think they'd give up 423 yards passing, however. Oregon State at home was a whole different thing. They've won 11 of their last 12 home games, and the loss was a game that they actually should have won against USC that they covered the spread. Uh, could we make a case that this might be Kyle Whittingham's best defense? And I say that because the offense doesn't really do them any favors. So in addition to being yeah. pretty stout like they are, uh, making explosive offenses uh, look weak in like they did last week against UCLA, and then also with the offense not really putting up any points for them. 
Yeah, but they really have, yeah, I'm sorry about UCLA's offense, but it's not explosive. I, mean, I know they had some nice numbers, but they played nobody until uh, last week. And, yeah, more of their freshman quarterback threw a pick six in the first play of the game. Uh, so uh, their defense might be good. Uh, but, you know, actually they've been playing without several defensive players. And we'll never know if they're ever going to play until they're actually on the field playing in a game because uh, they're, you know, secretive or secretive is not even the right word. They just don't say anything. I mean, they just they don't let anybody know about anything. Uh, and that's hence my frustration. We'll see. But yeah, I need to see them play some of these uh, legitimately explosive offenses in the conference I don't necessarily think Oregon State's an explosive offense. When they're doing their best, they're just running the ball with uh, yeah, what is believed to be uh, the best offensive line in the conference. Yeah, speaking of running the ball here, they do have one of the nation's best rushing games, averaging 171.3 yards per game and 7.3 yards per carry. So I think you definitely, if you are Utah, have to force this game on the arm of DJU. Who has been bad the last two weeks? So that would be their, I'm sure that's what their plan is. Uh, in the world of uh, more Pac-12 action, we go to USC and Colorado. USC minus 21 and a half, Colorado plus 21 and a half. The over-under sitting at 73 and a half. Uh, I think it's a question here, which USC comes to play Saturday morning at 9 a.m. local time. Uh, USC's defense still has plenty of questions. It probably won't matter in this game. They'll be able to get after the quarterback uh, as as the offensive line for Colorado has not been able to protect Shador Sanders. It's been quite problematic for them, but there's certainly plenty of questions for USC as they continue on in the season. Yeah, I don't think we have any idea if they're any good or not, or I should rephrase that. Any better than last season when they fell short when they needed to actually make some defensive plays and were unable to do so. They have scored 220 points in their first four games, but they've been mostly against bad defenses. ASU's the best defense they've faced so far this year. Uh, so we'll see. I was shocked last week. Not that it was a close game or closer than, you know, plus 34 uh, against, uh, it was, you know, they covered the 34 against ASU. But I was surprised that they just lacked attention to detail on offense. They had penalties and turnovers. Uh, they also gave up 353 yards to uh, ASU, which, uh, was pretty inept offensively until last week. So I have no idea if USC is any better than a year ago. So we'll see. Uh, Colorado uh, still obviously without Travis Hunter uh, with the injuries out at least one more week. Uh, so that hurts them obviously on both sides of the ball because he's a dynamic wide receiver. And he's a, you know, seemingly, when healthy, the best defensive back in college football. Uh, also, they may be without Shiloh Sanders. He's listed as questionable for this game. Uh, so it's it's interesting as well that you talked about some of the miscues of USC that were all self-inflicted, and that was also coming off of a bye for them. Yeah, that's true. I, I the flat spot thing didn't surprise me because you know there was you know bye ASU then Colorado. So I'm assuming that they spent a whole lot of their time last week working on Colorado. And that was, you know, while Colorado, that was before Colorado got embarrassed at Oregon last week. 
Clemson and Syracuse. Clemson minus six and a half. Syracuse plus six and a half. Over under sitting at 53 and a half. In three home games for Syracuse against Clemson with Dino Babers as the head coach. Cuse has won one time and they came close to winning a second time with a much larger gap between these two schools' talent levels. So uh, I guess the prevailing thought here is that Cuse can hang, hang with Clemson. You also have to ask yourself, how does Clemson respond after the crushing loss to FSU? Yeah, I, I apologize. What's the number we're using here? Six and a half. Okay, I'm going to pool the number six and a half, and I'm going to suggest that we use Syracuse plus six and a half. Yeah, their, sec- their second straight year, they're four and zero. They were four and zero last year, and then they got drilled at Clemson in the same spot, uh, but that was at Clemson. Also, Syracuse in a really tough scheduling spot coming off the big nationally televised win at Purdue. They were actually trailing last week at halftime against Army uh, before they rallied in the second half. Uh, so that concerns me a little bit. But then we have the Clemson thing. They already have two losses, both ACC losses. They had a terrible fourth quarter, thought it was some really bad coaching. Uh, and I, yeah, I've mentioned several times in the last couple of years, I think the Dabo's coaching staff, all the assistants that left have really hurt him leaving because they haven't really you know, replaced those guys with competent assistant coaches. And I think we have a pretty good idea now. Uh, towards the end of last season, I thought it. And then I've certainly thought it through four games this year. The Dabo is not the best game day coach on the planet. Kansas and Texas. Kansas plus 16.5. Texas minus 16.5. Over under sitting at 61.5 numbers from FanDuel. This is another one of those ranked opponents. Texas being ranked third. Kansas 24th. Kansas's Devin Neal, 57 carries, 394 yards, five touchdowns this season. Neal was a star when these two teams met each other last year. Uh, in addition to that, when you look at Texas's ground game, we'll just stay on the ground game. Jonathan Brooks, 65 carries, 379 yards, three touchdowns. I got a question here about Texas, though. Does a win here for Texas show that this team is different than past Texas teams? Is this the challenge? No, I don't think they – this was a – they might have their – Kansas might have the attention from Texas because of what happened two years ago in Austin uh, when uh, Texas actually lost at home to Kansas. But last year they won 55-14. to 14. Uh, So that I guess that was the revenge game. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, Texas plays OU next week. So I have no financial interest in this game. Also, 16 and a half is a really bad number because it was 17, 17 and a half, maybe even a couple 18s earlier in the week. LSU and Ole Miss, LSU minus two and a half, Ole Miss plus two and a half, over under sitting at 66 and a half. LSU, uh, can we say that they've been really inconsistent and thus disappointing so far this season? Can we, uh, can we say that? I think we can break it down to offense and defense. I mean, offense has not been disappointing at all. Uh, Jaden Daniels, former ASU quarterback, has been tremendous. Uh, He has four touchdown passes in each of the last two weeks. He has 11 touchdown passes in the last three games. He's moving up draft boards, according to the media NFL scouts. Uh, So you never know if that's completely accurate or not, whether he's moving up a draft board. 
However, the defense uh, for LSU has not been good. I wouldn't even say it's been inconsistent. I th think it's not been good. Uh, Brian Kelly even said this week that they've been chasing too much on defense. And what's especially surprising, this has been supposedly DBU or cornerback U or whatever the hell they want to call it. This season, their secondary has been really, really bad. And uh, that's, uh, I just don't think they have enough good players, even though all that being said, <laughs> I like them in this game because I don't like Old Miss. Uh, I don't really care that Old Miss has lost six of the last seven against LSU. Uh, then there's these Lane Kiffin to Michigan State rumors out there, which seem to be a little off base. But you know, I heard Bruce Feldman mention that, and he's Mr. Coaching, you know, you know, the coaching, the coaching guru as far as where these guys might end up going. I heard him mention in the podcast with Mandel this week. So that got my attention. Lane has a grand total, though, in his career, wherever he's been coaching, with one career victory against a top-10 opponent. I don't even know if LSU is a top-10 team. I could care less. I don't look. But, 13. Yeah, okay, well, I guess that, you know, that whatever. They should be in the top-10 if they're any good. Um, so I'm not sure what happened. But the thing that really perplexes me about Old Miss is they had a tremendous running game last year, and they basically had the same guys. Even though they have a couple of injuries here and there, but those guys are healthy now. They can't run the damn ball at all. And now they've got off. They've got wide receiver injuries. Uh, so, uh, actually, I'm advocating LSU minus the two and a half. Is that the number we use? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, advocating LSU minus two and a half at Old Miss. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the run game. Jackson Dart is the leading rusher for Ole Miss when they do have a plethora of different running backs that had success last year. So curious there. Uh, Notre Dame and Duke. We touched on this game a little bit uh, earlier on in the week, but it's worth repeating again. Duke, my, uh, I'm sorry, Notre Dame minus five and a half. Duke plus five and a half. Over under sitting at fifty two and a half. You have to ask yourself here, is there go, how is Notre Dame going to bounce back on their crushing defeat against Ohio State? Riley Leonard has been really good for Duke, really efficient. However, this is going to be the best defense that he's faced so far. So can he maintain mistake-free football uh, to continue this Duke run? Will Notre Dame be able to avoid turnovers that Duke has also been able to capitalize on? In fact, they're really good at that. They're plus 21 in turnover margin the last two years under Mike Elko, who used to be the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame before he became the head coach at Duke. Obviously, we went through this the other day. This is the college game day, the first time the college day, game day with football. The football version, at least, has ever been in Durham. So that's, that's a big deal there. As far as the Notre Dame side of things here, uh, this is the first of three really important games in a row for them. Actually, obviously four if you count last week. Uh, at Duke this week, at Louisville next week, and then home against USC. They have 29 consecutive straight-up regular season wins against ACC opponents. Uh, Hartman has already played Duke. Last year they, he, they scored 31 points against Duke when he went to Wake Forest, or was playing for Wake Forest. Unfortunately for him, the you know, Duke scored 34 in that particular game. So we'll see what's going on here. You mentioned Leonard. Um, they've played from the lead almost every second this season. Uh, so and also you know, he's only he only has I think he only has two touchdown passes because they've just run the ball against really bad teams after that Clemson game the first week of the season. 
Alabama and Mississippi State. Alabama minus 14 and a half. Mississippi State plus 14 and a half. Over under sitting at 46 and a half. Uh, it looks like we've got a quarterback for Alabama. They're going to stay there with Jalen Milrow. Uh, Mississippi State defense, though, they have struggled. They currently rank 117th in success rate allowed and 101st in points allowed per drive. Yeah, they're bad. I mean, even the U of A moved the ball, but, you know, obviously uh, Jaden Delora threw three interceptions in the first half in that game, and the U of A managed to lose that game, and Mississippi State, I don't think Mississippi State won the game. The U of A just did everything humanly possible to blow that game. Uh, Alabama, tremendous in the second half against Old Miss. They just physically dominated on both sides of the ball. More like the Alabama teams of, say, 2007 or 8 when Saban first got there through like 2014 and to you know, 15. Then they got those quarterbacks and started throwing it around. Uh, they ran the ball, as I mentioned, the last week and uh, the second half of that game. Milrow was still 17 out of 21, but almost all of it was play action. Uh, he should have been their quarterback every second of the season. And I'm a little perplexed why they actually went away from him for one week. There's all kinds of speculation and maybe he was unofficially suspended for that game against South Florida. And that's why he didn't play. Uh, then you have ASU and Cal here. ASU, it's going to be a 12 p.m. contest on the Pac-12 network. It's going to be ASU plus 12.5, Cal minus 12.5, over-under sitting at 47.5. Enter Trenton Borgay at quarterback for ASU. Drew Pine is out for the near future, according to Kenny Dillingham. It also becomes the first road contest for ASU this season. And if you look at this for both teams, it could be each school's chance to get their Pac-12 win this this season. Yeah, uh, I have no interest in ASU with Borgay. I just don't think he's any good, which I stated last year when he was supposedly winning over the local fan base for whatever reason, maybe because you know, he's a Miranda kid and you know walk-on or whatever. I, only, I think he was a walk-on, but whatever. Not a heralded five-star guy or even probably a three-star guy if he was any stars. Uh, so I'm not interested in ASU with him as the quarterback. I'm not sure ASU even has an above-average quarterback on their roster, and their offensive line still missing multiple starters. As far as Cal, uh, they do have a more explosive offense. Jake Spavitol is back as the offensive coordinator. He left for North Texas or Texas State. I get those schools mixed up, my bad. Coach there, that didn't work out at all. So he's back as the offensive coordinator at Cal. And the last time he was there, Jared Goff was the quarterback, and they were good. And uh, they have at least got some life on offense now, which they really didn't have when he was gone. Washington and the U of A. Washington minus 19 and a half. U of A plus 19 and a half. Over under 65 and a half. Contest 7 p.m. Saturday on the Pac-12 Network. Injury questions for quarterback Jaden Delora. He is questionable if he can't go. It's Noah uh, Fafida, I believe is how we pronounce that. Uh, UW, though. I think it's probably important for them that they can't get caught looking ahead to their bye week and then in preparation for Oregon. Michael Penix Jr., though, uh, his numbers continue to be eye-popping. 1,636 yards, 16 touchdowns, two picks. They've played no defenses, though. They've played nobody. Uh, So we'll see what's up with that. Uh, last week, uh, I you know, we talked about Cal. You know, I, I certainly acknowledge that Cal is a more explosive offense. 
Uh, but last week, uh, yeah, Washington gave up 32 points to Cal. Uh, that's not a good thing. As far as Delora, the betting market certainly doesn't think he's going to play. Uh, this game has gone up to 20 in some places in Las Vegas, or at least nationally or internationally or in the world. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. Uh, and also the U of A lost running back Michael Wiley and linebacker Justin Flo to injury last week, and I have no idea whether they're playing or not. Friday spread continues on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the NFL game Sunday. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, Von Hansen's own sirloin hearts at two for $15.00. Pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound. An all-natural boneless, skinless breast, plain only at $7.99 a pound. That's over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Friday spread continues diving into NFL contests on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Friday, September 29th. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continuing. We still have that $100 gift certificate up for grabs a little bit later on in the show. We're turning our attention now to the NFL slate of games and we start bright and early, 6.30 in the morning. It's an ESPN Plus uh, contest. It's also if you want to watch the Toy story version you can also on espn plus but maybe that makes it palpable falcons and jaguars <laughs> falcons plus three jaguars minus three over under sitting at 43 and a half numbers coming from the FanDuel sportsbook app the game is being played in london uh this is interesting so the offensive line for the jaguars have not been able to protect trevor lawrence at all in addition to that trevor lawrence apparently leads the league with dropped passes nine Opponents are averaging 84 yards per game on the ground against the Jaguars' defense, so that's something good for the Jaguars' defense. Other things, not so much. Is this a must-win situation, though, for the Jaguars? Absolutely, because you know, they're, they're in London again next year. Actually, they're probably happy they're out of Jacksonville because they just lost two straight home games. But anyway, the next two weeks they play in London against the Falcons and then the Bills next week. So you better win this game. I'm sure that should be at least their thought process. You mentioned the Lawrence thing. He also has zero completions of 30-plus yards in three games, and he's still been awful in the red zone, and that has really not to, a whole lot to do with the, the red zone part. has almost nothing to do with the drop passes. The big thing, I never heard of the answer to this, but it was reported that Doug Peterson was so pissed off at halftime last week that he called the plays in the second half. Uh, so, and they lost anyway. They still ended up losing at Houston. But uh, so we'll see if that continues. Uh, they got nothing out of their defensive. Def basically, their two edge rushers have done nothing so far this year. Josh Allen has had a shoulder injury. And also Trayvon Walker, who was the first pick of the draft a couple of years ago, 
they've both been pretty much invisible so far in the season. Done nothing. For the Falcons, like, I want to like this team, uh, but Desmond Ritter, when he's away from home, it's it's really bad. And that's also been the case for his college career, too. And then it's still perplexing how Kyle Pitts, like, doesn't get involved. Well, maybe Kyle Pitts isn't that good. I mean, he's dropped some passes when he's gotten involved this year. Uh, Ritter was absolutely awful last week. It, it's hard to stress how awful he was. Uh, 38 pass attempts because they were chasing points, but he was just terrible. And I got sucked into thinking that maybe he was okay after that Packers game. And uh, I was on the Falcons last week, and that was a horrible, stupid, wrong mistake. Uh, So bad idea by me. I deserve to get slapped in the face, and I certainly was. Also, the offensive line of Atlanta last week got manhandled against Detroit. After we watched Detroit manhandle the Fal- the uh, Packers' offensive line last night, maybe that's uh, Detroit's off, uh, defensive front's going to ha- uh, manhandle, I should say, a lot of teams this year. So maybe that's not that surprising. But uh, these are two teams, one bad team, and I think Atlanta's a bad team, and Jacksonville, which was supposed to be a good team, is playing badly. Uh, we'll get to the Dolphins and the Bills when we answer today's poll question on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 around 1130. So skipping that game and going to the Steelers and the Texans, we have the Steelers minus three, Texans plus three over under uh, has dropped now to 41 and a half over on FanDuel. The Texans have struggled running the ball, but the Steelers defense is giving up 151.7 yards per game on the ground. Uh, the Steelers defense, though, at least in terms of pass rush can probably get after cj stroud there has been uh some issues with the offensive line injuries etc however stroud was able last game to not be sacked uh in addition to that you have to question about the steelers offense and can they put up points also i'd like to point out here will anderson is not really getting a lot of attention but he's having a pretty good rookie campaign He's a good player. I mean, Stroud's had 900-plus passing yards through three games and zero interceptions thus far. I'm not surprised about the accuracy. Uh, He's apparently a film study freak, and I'm not surprised about that either. I'm a little surprised that he's just been able to see the field so well because that really wasn't required of him at Ohio State. Uh, You mentioned the offensive line situation, and just to repeat, uh, there are five projected start, uh, starting offensive linemen for week one. Uh, they've missed them. All, all of them have missed, missed at least one game so far this season. Uh, so that's uh, it's only been three week, three games, but they've already all missed a game. Uh, Pittsburgh, this is a really terrible scheduling spot for them. Uh, second straight road game they played. Yeah, first up, you go back to the – they played Monday night at home in, you know, in week two. Then they played a road game at Las Vegas, and now they're playing a road game at Houston. Not exactly uh, the best situation scheduling-wise for the Steelers. The uh, Vikings and the Panthers here. The Vikings minus four and a half. The Panthers plus four and a half. Over under sitting at 45 and a half. I did see a report earlier this morning from Ian Rappaport. Bryce Young practiced yet again. So he is off the injury report. So he's likely going to get the start. This is a battle here of 0 and 3 teams. I would actually argue that this team and the offense could move the ball much better with Andy Dalton at quarterback. But I understand Bryce Young's your future. So that you're 
you're going to put him out there. There is key injuries, though, for the Panthers on both offense and defense. The Vikings defense is giving up 120.7 yards per game on the ground, and uh, they're not really able to get key stops. I think you pretty much summed this up. I, I have really seriously nothing to offer in this game, quite frankly, and there's not a chance that I would ever think about betting on this game. And uh, I'll be watching the Red Zone on Sunday, and I hope that they don't have very many updates because <laughs> I don't think I'm going to learn anything watching this game if I have the opportunity. The Bucks and the Saints here. The Bucks plus three and a half. The Saints minus three and a half. Over under sitting at 39 and a half. It looks like it's going to be Jameis Winston getting the start. Alvin Kamara is actually eligible to be back from suspension. Uh, the question here, can the Saints defensive front get home to Baker Mayfield like the Eagles were able to? I don't see why not. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, the uh, Tampa Bay only had the ball for 21 minutes against the Eagles. Their front seven just got manhandled in that game by Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, other than uh, obviously a terrible fourth quarter uh, last week, defensively, the Saints defense has really been good going back to, quite frankly, the middle of last season. Uh, they've allowed 20 points or less in every game at that uh, since the middle of last season. I think it was week 10 or something like that. Uh, you mentioned Kamara's back. Jameis, uh, revenge game uh, for him. Uh, they did sign a, a Jake uh, Jake Luton, former Oregon State quarterback, to the practice squad. So, to me, that just kind of a, not unofficially, unofficially confirms that Derek Carr is not playing in this game. The Commanders and the Eagles. Commanders plus 8.5, Eagles minus 8.5. Over-under has dipped a little bit here to now 43 and a half over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Um, how much will this Eagles defront make life very, very difficult for the commander's offensive line and for Sam Howell? We saw how many picks Howell had last game against the Bills. We know his numbers when pressure is coming at him. Uh, the Eagles don't even have to blitz to be able to get some pressure here. I think for me, the thing is, is if in fact Jalen Hurts has been dealing with an illness for the last couple of weeks how his health is and how that translates with new offensive coordinator ben johnson the play calls seeing if the offense can get itself looking more familiar like we saw last year yeah i agree with that part uh as far as the uh, washington offense uh, uh the offensive line's been really bad in two out of three games obviously last week against buffalo and week one against the cardinals you mentioned how when pressured he was pressured 70% of the snaps last week, 70% against Buffalo, and he does hold on to the ball too long, and that was a prescription to get basically get killed last week. I had Washington plus the points in that game. Not one of my better selections. That, may be one, that might be my dumbest selection of the year so far. You were not the only one that was on that side of things because also you had – the dominance of the commander's defensive front, maybe there should be a caveat about that a little bit now since it was against the Broncos, but uh, there was some thought that they would be able to at least kind of hang in there. Yeah, well, they were they did nothing. I mean, they got, you know, until last night, I would say that that game last week was the game in the NFL this year where the dominant, it was just complete butt-kicking at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I think last night's game even kind of exceeded that. <laughs> but 
It was a if you cannot control the line of scrimmage, I don't care what you know, whether it's NFL, college, high school, rinky dink, whatever, you got no chance. More NFL spreads on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, Quickly whipping through this contest of another 0-3 team. Broncos minus 3.5, Bears plus 3.5, over-under sitting at 46. Uh, The Broncos, I wanted to make sure I touched on this here. The Broncos have gotten pressure on quarterbacks, an NFL worst 20.4% of dropbacks. That's just kind of mind-boggling to me when we consider what uh, what Denver's defense was just one season ago. Well... Vance Joseph, the defense coordinator, we mentioned a couple weeks ago under Heat. He's, you know, I'm sure that hasn't changed. Last week, they gave up seven, 70 points and 700 yards. They had zero sacks and zero pressures to back up what you were saying. And now they're without Josie Jewell, who might be their best defensive player because Sertan has been not good so far this season. Uh, not a shutdown corner this year. Uh, so there's that. On the other side, the, obviously the Bears – you go back to last season, they actually have 13 consecutive losses. The last time they won was Halloween week of last year. It's almost Halloween week this year. <laughs> I thought I had this game all figured out. I was ready to go, all excited for it, Ravens and Browns. And then you have this, news, <laughs> this news here from Adam Schefter about an hour ago that the Browns are listing quarterback Deshaun Watson, who was limited and, according to Adam Schefter's words, barely through this week in practice due to a shoulder injury. He's questionable for Sunday's game. So that potentially changes things. Even though I have on my notes here, what Deshaun Watson are we getting? I still don't think we have a clear picture of this. Despite all of that, the Browns defense is putting up historic numbers. They're giving up 3.2 yards per play. Uh, The Browns defense forces three and outs on 61.5% of opponent drives. The Ravens are hoping to get some offensive linemen back and healthy. They're also hoping to get some playmakers back and healthy. And I still think we have questions about who are the Ravens on offense. Looks like they're going to get the offensive line guys back, but it doesn't look like they're going to get the playmaker guys back. So we'll see if that changes this week, or this afternoon or whenever we get an injury report. Uh, shockingly, I'm being sarcastic here, shockingly, Todd Munkin being criticized for play calling. I uh, spent the entire offseason saying that he's never done squat as an NFL play caller. He was great at Georgia. Uh, Just one other quick thing about the Browns' defense. You mentioned all those three and outs. Because of that, they've actually been on the field for the fewest snaps of any defense in the NFL through three games. Um, Also, I probably should have mentioned the line. Uh, The Ravens were plus two and a half, Browns minus two and a half, over under sitting at 41 and a half. Since all of this has taken place, it's now the Ravens plus one and a half, Browns minus one and a half, and the total has dropped down to 39 and a half. Uh, so that's 
interesting line movement there. We have plenty more NFL uh, games to get into. We'll start that off in hour number two of the extra point. We'll also make room for Brian Blewis at 11:15 as we dive into the NFL prop market. Plenty more for Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It's coming up on the other side of the break to kickstart hour two. 